0: The Serial Entrepreneur, brought to you by Startups Magazine. A podcast bringing you leading businesses and founders who have a story to tell and explain some of their biggest challenges. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Like, I've met so many founders who are like, you know, I should have done this, and then the pandemic happened, and I didn't do this. And and you spend so much time, like, second-guessing yourself when, really, mistakes will happen. Like, we're human. It really does improve over time and I think sometimes when you're starting out you kind of almost expect yourself to have, you know, super high standards from the start, you know, you want to do your best at the start absolutely, but you're never going to be perfect. Plus, share their biggest secret, their favorite breakfast
1: cereals. My favorite cereal is an Australian cereal called Nutra Grain. Rice Krispies. It's pretty boring. Weetabix.
0: I have a clear winner. It is uh, Cocoa Pops. Hello and welcome back to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast. Today I am joined by a very exciting guest in the form of Seth Sword-Williams, author of the book dubbed The Career Bible called F Being Humble, which I absolutely love. Besides being an author, Seth is also founder, radio presenter, public speaker and was named in the Forbes 30 Under 30, plus so much more. Seth, it is literally such a pleasure to have you on with me this morning. How are you?
1: I'm very good. Thank you so much for inviting me to join the podcast today. No,
0: honestly, I, I was reading all about it. It's so exciting. You've done so, so much. So before we kind of jump into that and talking about kind of like all your achievements and how you've, how you've done it all, as it is the Serial Entrepreneur Podcast, we have to ask everyone, what is your favourite breakfast cereal and why?
1: This is so funny because when I read that question, I was like, oh, God, um, I don't actually eat cereal that much. I'm trying to think back. I think the most I probably have is like granola with yogurt. That's about as exotic as I get. But back in the day, I was definitely quite a sweet tooth. So I loved things like cinnamon grahams and just anything like the chocolate crunchy nut. You know, anything that I probably shouldn't have been having in a cereal was absolutely what I was having in my breakfast. But yeah, these days I don't eat that much cereal. But if I do, I would say granola and yogurt with some sort of fruit on top.
0: Cinnamon grains are literally one of the elite cereals and not many people say that at all. So you just won me over even
1: more with that answer. (laughs) I also I worry that that might show my age because I'm pretty sure that's still not on the shelves.
0: No, well I think we're a similar age because yeah I remember it. I remember it very clearly and I remember a few years ago Thinking about them, and I'm trying to get hold of some, and
1: then they're, they're definitely not a thing anymore. Sad times, very sad times. Amazing.
0: Well, while we could sit here and talk about cereal all day, I'm super excited to hear kind of all about you and your kind of very colorful career and life. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your background and kind of like the journey to get you to where you are today.
1: So I, I've always been quite a creative person. And I think that definitely came through at school and through university, I always chose quite either art or media or textiles, you know, things where I was practically doing things. I definitely wouldn't say that like academia and, you know, sort of maths and science was my definitely not my side of things. I de- always knew I like liked being creative. And I always talk about growing up, I always used to watch you know, like Dragon's Den and The Apprentice, my stepdad, and we'd like always follow the episodes. I always knew I had that creative streak. And then going to university, I did a degree in fashion communication and promotion, but it was kind of less fashion and more marketing, which was perfect for me because I realized I wasn't really interested in fashion and just like shopping as most 18 year olds, you know, women do it as they're going into that sort of journey of life. And I very quickly realized that advertising was where I wanted to work and what I wanted to do. And through writing a blog at university and sort of documenting the adverts that I really liked, the ones that I didn't, I very quickly, and again, it was quite lucky that I did, wrote that blog at the time because it really helped me to figure out what I did and didn't want to do. And I knew from I knew from the age of graduating that I wanted to work on purpose-led marketing and advertising. So that really set me off on a a good starting point because I think so many of my peers graduated still feeling so lost, like so many people do. But I kind of knew it, you know, deep down, that's I may not always get to do that, but that's what I was working towards. So I worked at so many different agencies, ad agencies, I've worked at five-person companies, I've worked at big international global agencies, I've worked at independent advertising agencies. And each time I was kind of moving to every job with the hope that I was getting to work on something a bit more meaningful and a bit more sort of, you know, going to have a better impact on the world. But sadly, because it's the way that the the world works, I, I never really felt like I was getting the opportunity, maybe one out of every 10 projects, there could be some element of good, but the rest of it, I kind of felt like I was selling people more things they didn't need. And that kind of jarred with me with my sort of personal purpose. So I think it got to the point where I just decided I wanted to create something outside of work that was for me, and that I got to control, and that I got to give something back, and that was where F Being Humble was originated.
0: It's it's an amazing story, and so you know, talking about being creative, you could tell kind of like that streak was always in you, and it, it makes a lot of sense. But had you always known that you wanted one day to be an entrepreneur and maybe start your own business and? But not only that, like also helping people with their own entrepreneurial journeys as well.
1: No, absolutely not. had no idea this was the trajectory. I always kind of like I try not to get too emotional about it because I I always think if I if 10 years ago or even 20 years ago, you'd have told me this is what I'd be doing. I, I definitely wouldn't have believed it or believed that maybe I was capable of doing it. And not from the aspect that I don't have good self-belief because I do but more just because I don't think that journey was ever put in front of me as an, as an option I think very few women actually are told they could be entrepreneurs when they are you know between the ages of 15 and 18 I don't ever remember having those icons in front of me or being told or oh, you could go down that path I also think I was part of the generation where freelancing was just growing and becoming a thing and starting if you ran a business that was quite you know quirky and a bit like you know super brave whereas particularly now since I've been running a business in the past sort of four years it's so much more of a given and it's so much more of an option to people I speak to students every single day running talks and workshops and I say to them that if you want to start a business tomorrow you can absolutely start one so I think there was there's a very big difference of the narrative that is being told now to what it was back then because, other than watching like The Apprentice and Dragons Den, I never really saw how I what I would do with that or where I would go and I always saw me working for a company and climbing the career ladder being the main way that I would see success. But I definitely feel like now I've I'm in this place. I can't imagine ever going to work back. For a company again, probably because I was maybe a bit of an annoying employee, always asking for pay rises or more work or more opportunities. And and what I've realised is that I am actually able to create that for myself. And the freedom in doing that is just, yeah, it's uncomparable. It's incomparable. Yes,
0: yeah, yes. Yeah. And I think you know, some people are definitely destined for that kind of journey and and that like lifestyle. And it. Sounds like that was definitely kind of like written in your stars per se, (laughs) obviously, so you started in advertising, and it sounds like you know, you kind of did enjoy that. How did you then transition to kind of creating this this empire, and um, taking your skills from that and becoming your own boss and starting your own business?
1: I mean, first of all, I just want to say that I love you that you called it an empire because I've probably never described it or seen it in that way before, for sure. Yeah. So like I said, so for me, it was I'd moved multiple times in advertising and I really advocate for moving jobs until you find what suits you. And actually what that helped me to find probably quicker than people around me was that the the job that I wanted actually wasn't aligning to my values or what I wanted to do in life. But I'd moved to London five years ago and I came and it was just this like amazing experience. I was just in awe of like how many amazing people I was meeting at events or all these panels that I could go see or these amazing exhibitions. And I was just, yeah, completely and utterly in awe of the amazing creative talent that I was meeting every single day and I used to network a lot because of my job so I worked in new business development when I moved to London I'd never done it before for some reason I said that I could do it and it was definitely a learning curve but in doing that it just showed me like this whole world of communities running events and people bringing you know other people together and it just it really struck a chord with me and you know, partly as well, because I was quite new to London, and I had some of my uni friends here and stuff. But I knew that I wanted to create my own network of, you know, people that I wanted to speak to, and that I could ask for help when I needed it, and all of those things. And I'm not really ever someone to be complacent in a situation. So there were multiple different reasons. But I definitely think it was like, the inspiration of being in London to see all the other people that were doing these amazing things and me thinking, maybe I could do something, you know, that is could help people or that could bring people together and it could help build my profile, but it could also help build other people's profiles. And I think one of the insights I found from networking so much was that the events were just very similar. So it was a lot of panel events. It was a lot of interview based things. And very often it was definitely the era of like male, pale and stale. So a lot of old white men, no, no offense to anyone listening, but, you know, very expected people, privately educated or running businesses of a hundred people or already had some wealth behind them. And I came down from Leeds. Well originally I was living in Manchester, but I'm from Leeds originally. And, you know, I was just kind of this young 25 year old thinking, you know, like where's where's the people that look and sound like me? And where's the people that are doing really cool stuff and they're like 28? Like, do we have to wait till we're 50 years before we can sit on a stage and talk about how good we are or be celebrated for our successes. So I kind of noticed that there was this this pattern or maybe this gap in the market of like, one, how could we celebrate younger talent doing really interesting stuff that was just a bit more attainable. You know, for me, it was like, it's great that I'm seeing this 50 year old CEO, but actually you're at least 25 years ahead of me. Like, who are the people that I can learn from in the next few years? Like, how do I take that little step to get to that point? And so that was a particular kind of gap that I think being humble has solved. But also, I think it was about the content in which people were being taught. So I think a big reason I wasn't seeing people that were my age or younger doing these things because they didn't know they could self-promote and they didn't know they were should be on stages and they they were good enough to be celebrated. And a lot of that comes down to marketing and self-promotion. And as I said, I was working a new business and maybe I took for granted that I was a young woman learning new business, which not many young women learn about. And and even men, to be fair, like new business usually comes with the role of being an MD or being the founder of a company. Not many people learn it at an early journey. And I'm so grateful that I did because it really has set me up to run my own business as effectively as I have. But it also really showed me that, yeah, people just didn't know how to market. And I'd been spending all this time selling my agency, trying to win new business, try and get new clients spreading the word thinking about marketing tactics so understanding that there was this there was a gap of representation but there was also a gap of knowledge I decided that with my events with whatever I did I wanted to create workshop-based events that people could come to learn from they'd literally get tangible skills that they'd walk away from in an hour but also I'd host a panel and celebrate people. And when I think back to it, the first events that I ran, first three events, they were 10 pounds ticket and you got a 60 minute workshop from me and a panel with three other inspirational people. And it was such good value. And it's probably why it spread so quickly and why the movement picked up such pace, but it was such a, it felt like it was really talking to people about the needs and the ambitions that they wanted but really helping them individually because I think so many people go to panel events and they go to these sort of interview-based events and they listen to someone's journey like so inspiring they go home put Love Island on and then they don't think about it again whereas my goal was how do I make sure that by the time you leave this room you can action this tomorrow so that was really I think the unique offering with with what I've built and that was the start of it. And it was just literally creating a, a workshop. I created the first one, which is let me blow your mind, which I named after my favorite R&B song, because I wanted to combine R&B into professional development because it's always so dry and boring. And, you know, all of my presentations have funny memes and gifts and, you know, nineties and noughties pop culture. Like it's like stuff that you just wouldn't expect. And I think it really did hit that millennial market that wanted advice, needed help. I talked about this recently, but they were you know hitting that early life crisis, which is between the ages of twenty five to thirty five. It was reported that seventy five percent of people hit an early life crisis where they're questioning what they were doing. and it was really those people who had been working for a few years and just weren't sure whether what they were doing was right or how to get promotions and pay rises. So, yeah, it just it all started from there. It was super organic. literally post it on Eventbrite created an Instagram account and it just went from there and it was ever since it's been nothing but you know a really inspiring journey because I feel for myself because it really has been exactly what I say to people is that when you put things out there about yourself that's what you'll be known for and that's really what I did to start this journey and that and that's been the the strongest case study so far is is my journey with with the business.
0: It's incredible. Like you, you brought such a kind of like fun, fresh take on to business or, and something that had been around for a long time. But you just kind of like revived it in a way, like you say, hit that millennial crowd. And it, yeah, it's absolutely taken off. Like it's it's not just a, a book and a business now. It's, it's kind of like a brand, isn't it? It's it's all over. And it's, it's incredible to see, honestly, what came first? Obviously, the The networking and the the community side of things came first, but then when did you create the book and then when did you take things even further with like your presenting and your public speaking?
1: So it's really interesting with this one because a big reason I started, you know, there's there's multiple reasons why I started it for everyone else. You know, helping people get pay rises, helping people see their worth, which were all things that my friends struggled with. And I thought, if my friends struggle with this, I'm sure more people struggle with this. But from a you know a really personal perspective and my own goals, I always really wanted to be a TED speaker. I always loved TED and I was like, wow, imagine having something so profound to say that you could change behaviours or you could change the world with what you have to say. And I wanted to create F Being Humble with the vision of, you know, being a public speaker and being able to get paid for these things and being invited to sit on panels and sharing my journey through my career. Because like I said, I moved a lot. I learned a lot in new business. I I felt like I learned a lot at an early age and I wanted to find a way to share that. And, And so I think public speaking was always at the core, which is why I started with running my own community events and me being the guest speaker, essentially, which a lot of people didn't didn't know that. They didn't know that, you know, I wasn't getting booked to speak on events. So I decided to make my own. That's why I say to people, yeah, I wanted to speak on a stage. So I made my own stage. And, and that's how I, I changed that perception of who I was brought in a crowd, really. So I think that was always at the, the start of what I wanted to do when I launched F Being Humble, I actually picked up press really quickly. So I wrote an article on LinkedIn called Why I Started, a platform called F Being Humble. And it went kind of LinkedIn viral where, you know, loads of people sharing it and commenting on it. And there were just so many people that messaged me say that it resonated. And the article, I always joke, took like 30 minutes to write. I don't think it was my best writing. I'm sure there were some typos in it. But it was that I'd struck a chord with people and I placed this content on LinkedIn, which is the place that, you know, it was right timing, right place, right message. And that really cut through. And off the back of that, I I got interviewed by someone who uh, did a double page spread on me and the business in The Times. I was invited to speak on BBC World News live, which was absolutely petrifying. And I got just loads of great positive feedback. Don't get me wrong, I obviously had some online trolls almost immediately. But there was an amazing initial response. And as well as the press, I actually got about three call-ups about writing a book. And I just sort of laughed and I, I said thanks, but no thanks and just hung up because I didn't see myself in that way. I never had see, I you know, I started this podcast saying I was never celebrated maybe for being academic or being a writer. So the very thought of me writing a book was at that point quite laughable. Don't get me wrong, super flattering. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But I was also like, definitely not for me because I can speak, but I'm I would never say my writing's where the strength comes from. And but so I carried on running the events and I said, look, I'll, I'll stay in touch, but I'm just not ready right now. And I ran the first event and 30, 40 people came. About two months later, I ran another event and about 60 people came. And then about two months later, I ran another event and 180 people had come. And that was all word of mouth. So I didn't put any paid advertising. That was all literally through social media. It was through you know, online event, right, a newsletter. It was all my own media that was reaching people. And it was at that point that I was like, something's changed. Like this is really picking up momentum and this is this is bigger than maybe I had seen it to that point. Um, so I decided to call up an agent that I really got on with when I had the first call. I said, okay, so let's hypothetically say we're going to do this. How do I even go about it? And you have to write a proposal as to why you deserve the book. And then you have to write two sample chapters. So I did that and I sent it off. And I remember I sent it off just before I went on holiday to Thailand for two weeks. And I was frantically checking my emails every day, like, oh, my gosh, like we've got an offer, like, blah, blah, blah. You know, it take, takes longer than you think these things. But I think it was maybe a, a month or two later, we had the it ended up being a full auction bid. So four publishers were bidding on it. And yeah, we, we got the deal. And it was it was amazing. It was completely surreal I vividly remember writing it, being in the process of writing the book and getting the artwork sent to me. And I saw the book cover for the first time. We'd Well, like we'd agreed it and it had the date underneath it of the release date. And I was in Angel and I just burst into tears in the middle of the road because it was so it was so strange to see like all of every it's like a lot of things that don't that you don't think are going to happen for you. You just can't believe it until it, you see it. And that was that moment where even though I was writing the manuscript and even though it, I'd signed a contract until you see it, you just don't believe that it's really happening. So, yeah, I was working full time as well. So I ran I ran. FB been humble for two and a half years as a side hustle whilst working full time in advertising as an account and business director. So it was very intense. And I had eight months to write the book alongside all of that. So... And I was still running the community events at the same time. I have no idea how I was doing it, but I was writing every weekend. And any journey I went on, plane journeys were amazing because I had no distractions and I'd be on a flight for seven hours or something. But yeah, that, that was how it went. And then everything was, again, it just kept growing and growing. And it got to the point where the book was due to come out. And I thought, I can either keep trying to side hustle or I can give this my all. And if it doesn't work, I'll just go back to advertising, like I can still get a job, you know, it's not going to be a failed thing. So I decided to quit my job two weeks before the pandemic to be a public speaker, and then all public speaking events got cancelled. And my book got delayed, the six months worth of business I lined up got canned because professional development got binned off. And yeah, it was a really stark way to start the journey of being self-employed and running my own business so but in between that I kind of missed out but the public speaking gradually came and I was starting to get booked for businesses so one of my first bookings was with Unilever and then Google and I started to get every bit of new business I've had more or less has been word of mouth and incoming which I'm so so proud that I'm not even going to say lucky I'm proud that I built a brand that attracted that and and as you said earlier it was it wasn't that the book came or the events came it was that I built a brand first and I think that's been the power of it the The name itself is free advertising and it's it, you hear it once and people want to talk about it so it definitely like public speaking was the vision I started doing the community events with that in mind and really didn't think I was going to go get to speak in businesses. But I remember Unilever approaching me and me thinking, wow, there's potential. Carried on doing that, wrote the book, carried on public speaking and then decided to make the leap.
0: It's, it's incredible and you know, like you say, you you have built something incredible here and to, to do that all organically as well, like through word of mouth, not paying advertising, kind of done it on your own as well. It is so impressive. Like I know I sound like a, a broken record here, but it is it is incredible to see.
1: One thing I wanna say just on the no advertising is it's because Facebook and Instagram block me for using a swear word in my brand, which is hilarious because I built a self-promotion brand that I can't self-promote. But the flip side, very few brands like mine can say that everything is organic growth. So whilst, of course, I would have loved to be able to put a few Facebook ads behind my events to sell some more tickets, I've been so humbled by the response and so proud of its organic growth. And that, like I say, I can hand on my heart say that it's organic. I think that's that's really interesting from that perspective it's not that necessarily I might not have done and I've recently started another business and I absolutely will be putting paid advertising behind it so it's not to say that I wouldn't have loved to just to say that you know because of the decision I made which I would say bear that in mind anyone that's listening if you're planning on using any sort of tongue-in-cheek language that could be deemed as offensive This is sort of the thing that happens. But the flip side is, I don't think I would be where I am today if I'd have called my business, shoot for the stars. So I do think there's a real, there's pros and cons. And I I don't think I'd change it if I had the chance. I think I'd still have taken this journey and I'm still really proud of it. But it just meant that bit of extra legwork to see the results, really.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, would you change it? But no, like you say, it's happened. You're here now and it's you know it's worked out for the best like self-promotion is obviously one of the key talking points as part of the brand and the book has been humble how did you learn that sort of skill yourself and like you know it it's so kind of like I, I can't think of the word it's so appropriate that obviously that's what you're promoting and then that's what the, the book is all about in itself do you know what I mean it's like a double kind of meaning how do you kind of like Have you ever struggled with something like that yourself, like self-promotion and, you know, bigging yourself up and imposter syndrome? And if so, how do you overcome them?
1: I think it all really started for me during my degree. So, So my dad actually worked in, has worked in sales. I've always had a dad that is able to tell me how to sell myself and like would look at my CV and transform it overnight and would make it sound like I was this entrepreneur at the age of like 16 working a Saturday job. So that was always great but I think my degree really further elevated that knowledge or you know educated me in that space because in our second year of university we did a whole semester on self promotion so we had to get business cards ready we needed websites we had we did our own show and we had to create visuals to present ourselves and every project we did had to look amazing it was it was almost like 50% content 50% visual representation as well so we'd get a brief from a live brief from boots or unilever or mini and they'd be like you've got the next three days to come up with a new marketing campaign and you're pitching it to the head office and we actually had that literally live sort of real time work experience and a lot of it was like we had no cue cards so in first year we did a lot of presenting in my second and third they were like we don't want to see you presenting with cue cards in front of you so by the time we graduated, we had all these skills both for ourselves, but we were always already thinking about, you know, this brand wants to try and reach the Gen Z market. They need to do it online. How would you do it? So we were already thinking like that. So super lucky. So I would say it was fashion communication promotion at Nottingham Trent. If anybody's interesting or knows someone that might benefit from it, it was a brilliant, brilliant degree. But then, like I say, because I, I, I worked in different teams, so the first job I had was five person. So I was just I was involved in everything. I was marketing the business. I was client management. I was coming up with creative ideas. And I've always felt that's where I thrive thrive the most when I have a variation of jobs and tasks and I'm not just set in in one job and I just have to stay in my lane sort of thing. I've always hated that idea. So I definitely learned it through education at university. Had a, definitely my dad as someone as suit like was like, here's how you sell yourself. And then also had a lot of early experience in my career around selling. The other thing I say is that, like, uh, people always ask me, like, well, have you always been a confident person? Have you always been this person that is, you know, extroverted and loud? And I would definitely say that's part of my characteristic. But I also think I took a lot of risks. You know, I, I quit my job once every 11 months sort of thing. I moved jobs six times in seven years. I moved three different cities as an adult. You know, like, I've done a lot of different things that that made me have to pitch myself and present myself and go through three stages of interviews each time and have to do a presentation to the md and you know all those things that if you stay in the same job for the first 5 to 6 years of your career of course you don't have that experience you know if you're not being asked to do those things in your day job and you're not moving around then all of that is going to seem so intimidating and that's that's what a lot of people come to me feeling so I definitely feel like they were, there were lots of mini reasons, lots of different such scenarios and situations that have meant that I've had to learn to do it quickly. But then when I started working in, obviously working at advertising is pure, you're selling to people. And also working as a client manager was meaning that I'd have to sell the ideas in to the client, but I'd also have to learn how to work with the teams internally and then sell in their feedback. So I feel like there was a lot of, understanding how to communicate, a lot of observation around behavior, a lot of thinking about how are the best ways to land this message. So there was a, I feel like I've really been doing this for like at least the past 10 years, really. So that's why I feel an expert in it. But really honing into self-promotion was something that I recognized people weren't doing. And actually they avoided the word like the plague sort of thing. They were so... Like they were just, yeah, like people hate the word and said, oh, it's just not for me. And that's sort of where I knew that if I dipped my, not even dipped my toes, if I fully dunked my body into it, I would learn a lot about it. And I could actually carve out that niche for myself.
0: Definitely. You've, You've got to put yourself out there to experience these things, like you say. And uh, it sounds like, you, did you ever have the fear, you know, like, you, you said you moved um, six or seven times in six or seven years, and you were always looking for the next big thing. When you first started, did, did you get nervous? Or had you always kind of, I know you said it started from a young age with your dad as well. But when you first started in the real world after uni, and like moving from job to job and city to city, did, did you ever have any fear or doubt? Or did you always back yourself?
1: I I mean absolutely and I still to this day do like it would be like unrealistic and disingenuous to say that I don't ever have those fears I absolutely do I think the very first job I had I had a very toxic boss and it was a very toxic work environment and it was so bad that anything would have been better than that that experience so I think I was in such a Having experienced that at such an early age and at such an early point in my career, the resilience that I'd built up was, again, just much quicker than other people. So I was really in that like fight or flight mode. I was like, I need to get out of this situation and I'm going to do my, my all to get out of this and I will... Never look back because this, I have to get out. And I feel like that was actually my journey from job to job to job. So every job I went to, I felt like I was getting into a better environment. It was a different situation. It was a ball. So I feel like that inner that inner appetite to definitely want more for myself from a environment and work-life balance and you know just general non-toxic environment but also so someone once said to me that if you don't feel like the person in the room you are in the wrong room and again not to sound arrogant in any way shape or form but I definitely noticed that when I was growing within businesses I was learning things quickly I was moving faster at times and I started to feel like I'm kind of owning this room I need a new challenge and that was sort of that it it was the awareness of my own abilities absolutely is what drove me and didn't make me feel out of my depth but I think that is because I was regularly putting myself in different rooms because I never wanted to feel like I was falling behind or getting complacent so I think that's always been the driving force to me is that like this new opportunity could be bigger this opportunity could open more doors for you this could change your career and that's what drove me I didn't I tried not to let the the fear of not being good enough seep through because I think anybody's as good as the next person it's just about how you present yourself
0: definitely and I mean you know it completely paid off and it's shown you have such a big portfolio now with your radio presenting public speaking author storyteller you've had you've had your own TED talk you've just like you we briefly mentioned and we will touch on some more but you've just started another new business it's incredible, as I've said 500 times on this podcast, but which element has been your favourite part of the journey in your career so far? What have some of the highlights been?
1: So when I did work in advertising, I'd shot a TV advert in LA on Malibu Beach, and it was like one of those pinch-free moments where we like had director's chairs and... I'd gone out with one of my like bosses who we just got on with like a house on fire and we still to this day talk about it. And it was about seven years ago. So that was a total like pinch me moment. I've made it. I did a lot of TV ads. So I worked with some celebrities and stuff and that was always really cool. And I think, you know, little things like there was a, an ad agency called Revolt. They wrote a book on how to lead movements and create movements. And I bought it four years before and was obsessed with the book and, always said to myself oh wow they'd be a dream agency and I remember getting a job there and and I was the business director there and you know it was kind of those moments where it was like saying wow I'd love to work there one day and getting it and at TCO London where I used to work also on a dream agency list and I remember applying for the job not getting it and a year later saying like I didn't get this last year but here's everything I've done and then meeting the MD said let's go for a coffee the next day and he offered me a job the next week. So there was some real. There's been some real like moments where, like I say, whether it's taking risks or believing in myself, like my actual advertising career was was amazing. And I we we travelled the world a lot. I did an, an amazing tour around the future of brand activism, where we hosted panels around the world, speaking to brands that were leading activism. And we ended up going to Cannes Lions Festival off the back of that. So there were there were some really great moments on that journey. But I definitely, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said the past three years haven't been the highlight of of my career, really. I think, obviously, the pandemic was really tough. I'd, again, it would be an oversight not to say that that was a really just slightly upsetting start to what I built up and dreamt was going to be the best future for me I managed to make it work and my mum said to me if you can survive the pandemic as a small business you'll get through anything and I really held on to that and I did and it was profitable like it wasn't even like I survived it was you know the business did really well but last year I think was a real big year where I started to work with brands on brand partnerships i worked with puma and liberty and estee lauder and pinterest and it's sort of like for me it's definitely been the finally people coming to me as opposed to me having to convince people that this is needing so i think the first two years of growing f being humble has been a lot about this is why you should self-promote and this is why it's so important and i think because of the pandemic it's made everyone see why it's so important and now it is people coming to me and saying we want your expertise And there's no nicer feeling when you've worked so hard, when you've worked two jobs, you've worked long hours, you've put in all that time for people to finally go, yeah, we get it. And we really want to speak to you about it. And I think that's been a really amazing journey. But I think really on the day to day, the like amazing moments is just people messaging me being like, I just got three job offers off the back of your CV guide, or I just managed to add a 40k pay rise on the job I've just gone for because of the talk you gave last year and those the moments I had somebody who took voluntary redundancy from a job after 22 years of working at a really big company because she came to one of my webinars and now she says she's the happiest she's been you know like it's it's those moments that I absolutely live for like pretty much well up well up at most days, screenshot and put into a little folder on my phone as reminders as to why I'm doing it because ultimately there's no point in me standing on a stage and speaking if it isn't actually helping people. And I think it's the instant mindset shift and results that my followers or attendees at events get that for me is just like, you know, raises, yeah, hairs on your arms sort of thing. It's like a total goosebumps moment. And I'm so grateful that i get to to do this every day
0: oh that is it is incredible and and you you obviously have helped and touched so many people like you say and it's the the personal side of things that always kind of hits home the most join des and eva as two business besties building a global tribe having real world conversations about all things motherhood in the mum bosses abroad podcast the podcast that empowers you as a boss to make confident and smart choices for you and your family. Whether you're staying at home, running your own business, pursuing a corporate career or running that side hustle, you are absolutely 100% a mum boss. And if you're doing all of this while living abroad, well, you're simply fantabulous all the way. Are you in? One more, just bringing you up one more time, we've got to mention that you were named a Forbes 30 under 30, which is such an incredible achievement. What did that mean to you as well?
1: So I make a point about talking about how I made that. And I nominated myself for Forbes under 30, which a lot of people don't know, one that you can do or two that I did that. I actually did a post on, on Instagram about it because I think people don't realize that if you want to win awards and you want to be celebrated you very have to very often have to put yourself forward for them or pay for them for a lot of a lot of big you know awards categories you actually have to pay for to win the award so i try and do a bit of sort of myth busting on that but it meant a lot i remember telling my friends like oh i've i've done something a bit random but i've like applied for forbes under 30 and, and it took a long time like you have to answer about 50 60 questions on why you deserve it it's like four pages and you have to keep going back into it and it's like big questions and there are so many points where you can drop off on that process and I definitely closed down the application about three times but I remember telling my friends and being like you're definitely going to get it and I was like "Mm." I mean it's in Europe and F being humble at the time again was still a side hustle when I got named Forbes under 30 so it was a bit like maybe I haven't got the impact to show it yet blah 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 And actually, I remember getting the email to confirm it. And yeah, I mean, I I cried. It was like, again, it was just before the pandemic, though. It was like two weeks before. And things were getting a bit weird. You know, everyone was locking down and the fear was coming in. And it was a bit, it was just, again, annoying that this amazing thing was happening. But I felt so conscious that people were about to lose their jobs. And you know, how much could I talk about it? But I think what i was what i did and i think was the right thing to do was talk about me nominating myself and the fact that that's how i made this achievement and people were so appreciative that i talked so publicly about that so yeah it was it was amazing and it you know for marketing and advertising in europe at the age of 27 it was was yeah pretty surreal actually yeah
0: definitely and it's just so perfect that you nominated yourself and then you got in and, and that's the big part of the story that you want to share. Because I didn't know that you could nominate yourself either. So the fact that you you did that is, is an incredible, incredible part of the story as well.
1: And also just to say off the bat, two things I want to say, Forbes Under 30 is not the be all and end all. And I don't think we need to achieve everything by the age of 30. I think if you have achieved something that you are proud of, that is worthy of being celebrated, then apply for it but absolutely don't feel any upset anger threat that you haven't got there or you're not there because i speak to people every day your age is not your deadline you should not be worrying about this being on a under 30 list was a dream of mine for years and that's why i did it but i don't think anybody's success is defined by their age but one thing i would say is off the back of me sharing nominating for myself I know at least four people in my network who messaged me to say, I saw that you nominated yourself. I did it. And they made the under 30 list. So even though it might sound so unattainable and it might feel like, who am I? I'm not worthy of this. All of that. You are as like worthy as anyone else. And it's not one click. It's 60 questions away, but it's up to you to go get that if you really want it. And it's okay if you don't. Yeah definitely
0: I, you couldn't have you couldn't have summarized that it better so we have briefly touched on it but I am keen to learn more my, one of my final questions to you is going to be what is next for Steph and that is still part of the question I'm putting to you now but also I know you have just started a new business so tell us a little bit more about that and where you want to take that and what what you see the future looking like
1: so with with F being humble it's it's growing so nicely and I kind of sounds awful to say but i kind of just want to sit back and and let it let the opportunities roll in i feel like i've done so much chasing and building with it that i feel like i've finally got to a point where the opportunities that are, are that i really want to do are coming in and i'm just going to keep taking on the things that feel right but also saying no to the things that don't there are. I've started working a lot with female founders recently, so I've got some ambitions to support female founders more so over the coming years. And also actually looking at people who are over 50 and may feel like a bit invisible in the space. I think that's something that I would like to move towards. I mean, there's loads. I have a different idea for being humble every day. However, I do have to protect my time and energy because, as you said, I've just started a new business called This Might Help and it is a community-based platform that shares peer-to-peer advice and guidance for people who are helping others through mental health issues, sexual assault and trauma and the reason I created this is because I've been helping people through those problems my entire life and never known where to go to for support, never known where the advice is, always felt out of my depth, always felt overwhelmed and it's taken a long time for me to create this. Like I say, it's something that's been close to me for a long time, but I've finally got the capacity to actually grow something to help others really. And it all comes back down to this purpose of wanting to have a meaningful impact on the world. So with this might help, you can head to this might You can follow it at this might help us on Instagram, and you can also sign up to the newsletter and, just so that everyone knows what they would be gaining it is sharing resources that have helped people through the process. So let's say your parent is depressed, and you listen to a great podcast that really helps you understand how to help them, you'd send it to us, and we'd reshare it to our community. And it's just, you know, it could be podcasts, books, articles, TV shows, the whole idea is that, you know, medical and professional mental health services like therapy and counselling is still so inaccessible for so many people and particularly when you're a carer you don't feel like you should be taking up the space that somebody else deserves i know that from my own experience so with that in mind i wanted to create a space that could actually help people without money being needed and where we could if we come together as a community to support one another we could kind of close this this gap that i'm identifying as a support gap That if we use our insights and our experiences, we could actually try and help way more people. So I'm super passionate about it. I'd absolutely love for people to follow it, engage with it, share it. If there's anybody from a press perspective that is listening to this and would love to interview me about it, I'd love to talk to you about it. And any brands that would like to partner or support, this might help. I would absolutely love to talk to you about it as well.
0: That's amazing. I uh, I briefly saw it on your LinkedIn, but I didn't fully like look into it and see the, the full meaning of it. And yeah, what an incredible kind of platform and community to create. And, you know, there's so many community and platforms out there, but it's something that will really help a lot of people and I think is probably very needed out there. So what a lovely idea yeah so we'll make sure that we'll share that with our community as well as well as podcasts going out we'll share links to your instagram and the website and everything so people can check that out and have a look on that for some more but yeah Steph it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today I could sit here and talk to you all day but I'm conscious that you are a very busy lady so thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story and everything with us it's been an inspiring
1: hour for me Oh, that's so nice to hear. And thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast. It's been so nice to chat.
0: The Serial Entrepreneur, brought to you by Startups Magazine. A podcast bringing you leading businesses and founders who have a story to tell and explain some of their biggest challenges. Try not to be too hard on yourself. Like, I've met so many founders who are like, you know, I should have done this, and then the pandemic happened, and I didn't do this. And and you spend so much time, like, second-guessing yourself when really, mistakes will happen. Like, we're human. It really does improve over time, and I think sometimes when you're starting out, you kind of almost expect yourself to have, you know, super high standards from the start. You know, you want to do your best at the start, absolutely, but you're never going to be perfect. Plus, share their biggest secret, their favourite breakfast cereals.
1: My favourite cereal is an Australian cereal called nutra grain
0: Rice Krispies.
1: It's pretty boring. Wheatabix.
0: I have a clear winner, it is uh, Coco Pops.